Well, folks, it's The Fundamentalists. Uh, it's a podcast. I'm Elliot Morgan. I'm here with Peter Rollins. Uh, I do comedy. I do internet comedy and stand-up comedy. Peter here does philosophy. He does psychoanalysis. He does theology. Is that yeah. what it's called? Um, <laughs> the God stuff. And uh, we talk about life and we talk about all sorts of stuff. And thank you to everyone who has said uh, how much you're enjoying the podcast. It means a lot. And there's a fair amount. That's mostly friends and family? Um, no. God, no. No? Oh, no, my yeah. friends and family have never liked anything I've yes, ever done. That's true. Um, that, yeah, no, I think uh, there's a, yeah, it's a surprising, like, trickle. It's a small but growing group of people who are listening to yeah. this. And it's lovely. It's lovely to know that. Yeah, it's fun, too, when I go to, like, um, stand-up shows or, like, like every time there are people who are just like, I love the fundamentalism. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It's nice. nice to like have this thing that uh, that people are enjoying. But anyway. Um, I, you- I'm hoping that, you know, we'll just continue to slowly grow. I feel like we're finding our feet. I feel like yeah. the last few weeks I've really felt we've been finding our feet. And yeah. this is just going to hopefully grow and grow until it's a multi-million dollar business. Exactly. Dude. Yeah. That, and that's the goal. That's, that's the like, goal. And we won't stop until we get all there. all the money in the we world. We will get rich or we'll die trying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, I've never met two people who are more obsessed with money than will, will, will we announce, you and me. Will we announce the fundamentalist uh festival that's happening on the island festival, yeah like the fire festival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i thought you were gonna say like the fundamentalist fundamentalist like pyramid scheme oh yeah where we can uh, get people to sign up and then you too can become a fundamentalist you get other people to sign up they get it's a win-win for everybody yeah everyone wins um so anyway yeah this is a fun fun thing to do uh and this particular episode oh before we get into that, thank you to uh, folks who I got um, some messages about people who are helping support the podcast by going to trywink.com slash fundamentalists and getting wine for themselves because that helps us and people are signing up still, which is really Fantastic. nice. Fantastic. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C and it's a wine club that gives you wines um, based on the palate that you have based on a quiz that you take and it looks really cool and it's really fun. You can order a bunch of them, give them as gifts uh, and they're wonderful and when you do that, it helps support the podcast and that goes into editing and uh, and all that you, fun stuff. You still haven't given me my $80. Yep, as soon as I said that, I was like, mm, didn't give you his didn't give You his know his what? I reckon for the next five or six weeks, every time you say wink, I'll be like, and where, where is that Yeti box? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like I said, folks, sign up now. Uh, <laughs> At the moment, Elliot's getting all the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got that Yeti dollars. I'm, hold, I'm keeping it safe. <laughs> yeah. um, Your retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay, so this particular episode, I'm going to be very transparent. Here's what happened. I went into <laughs> our iTunes page for this podcast yeah and i just looked at like what titles were working and what titles weren't i think we were very good at titling these things things that are like fun and kind of cutesy but then it was interesting to see kind of like the bar graph of popularity what worked and what didn't work and one of the things that worked was uh one where we said malcolm gladwell was wrong it was a very strong statement and so in my mind my little clickbaity internet social media mind i was like what kind of title could we do that would provoke clicks. By the way, <laughs> so, that's so clickbaity. It's hilarious how it works. I mean, yes. Malcolm Gladwell wasn't even even a small part of that podcast. It was literally it's a An throw out line. Yeah. But people love that stuff. Yeah, So yeah. you want to do 10 reasons why uh, you'll be shocked at yes. the world. Number four will surprise you. That's the title. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we want it to be as buzzfeedy as possible. Yeah. Um, it, so yeah, so I was thinking about what could we talk about about things that are wrong, and I thought about you, and I thought about what I know about your, um, you know, your erroneous beliefs and yep. uh, and your your crazy ideas, and one of them was sort of the difference between Freud and Jung. And we've talked a little bit about it before, but to be completely honest, I don't really understand it, and I would like to explore it a little bit and definitely get people to uh, feel alienated against you and be on yes. my side. See, that's what I thought. Whenever Elliot this morning said, we were talking, what will we talk about? 
and you went to the young thing and I thought you know unconsciously you just want people to hate me <laughs> and you're you know people love young and you're like yeah. if I just get Pete to talk about why he doesn't like him I'll look bad. That's projection, though, because immediately you were like, that's a great idea. We yeah. should definitely I, Well, that's that. true. I thought so it was a brilliant Unconsciously, idea. you want people to hate you. So yeah. you're like, we should definitely talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a fun, that's always a fun conversation. I don't know. I know. I I, uh, I think uh, it's, it's truly something, as much as we talk about it, I don't understand it. I started talking to a friend about it last night, and I rambled on some shit. I was like, oh, I really don't know what mm. I'm talking about. Like, you know when you can, f- I don't know if you feel this. This is a question to pose before we get into Jung and Freud, a personal question uh, for you, Pete. Do you ever feel yourself slipping into bullshit? Like, do you ever feel yourself like <laughs> as you're talking? Because I'm, I'm going through with a phase where I'm like, I'll be talking and then I'll be like, I'll catch myself and be like, oh, that was bullshit. Like that was, do you do that? Yeah, 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 probably. Like there, there are ways, there is a type of philosophical bullshit that you can use that can get you out of a difficult situation. Like if I if I'm arguing with somebody and I don't think the argument is ben very Shapiro. worthwhile, <laughs> um, maybe sometimes I'll use philosophical jargon just to, just to yeah. And it's, it's kind of philosophical <laughs> bullshit, but it's it's a way of kind of shutting down the argument. So yeah, I've probably done that. That's really funny. Yeah. Just totally like I don't have time to deal with this, so I'm going to use my brain to completely lock you in a box because yeah. I don't have to. Even though you know, it's just yeah. It's just a, it's a lot of like dialectic mind games yeah know, but it's just fun. which was and that's going to be another episode we do probably in the future is discussing mm. dialectics and explaining that to me because that's mm. another thing i don't uh, have any idea on uh so okay yeah in the in in for the sake of me not slipping into total bullshit when i'm talking about jung versus freud because it's so relevant right now especially i think with the self-help movements and all this stuff i think it's an important discussion and it's an important distinction so i would love to hear your thoughts pete now okay so, by the way, do you like my new slippers? Yeah, I do, man. Yeah, I got them the other day. I feel like I've got to that age where I'm excited about slippers. Oh, which is like I've 31? Hit, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, but I just wanted to mention to they're you nice. that I got them. They Thanks look kind of Christmassy. Yeah, they are a bit maybe, but I um, kind of like them. Yeah, they look really comfortable, man. I got those Toms. I don't know how oh, to wear yeah. them or Well, where you know what? I got slippers because I saw your Toms and I like really? them. Really? Yeah. Uh, they're more... They're osmosis. Kind of, yeah. Fashion yeah. osmosis. I wear way more cardigans now. I know. I, I like the old cardigans. And though. I'm shorter now since living with Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Jung. Um, okay, first of all, of course, it's a big subject. It's huge, and we're we're just going to skim along the surface. Yeah. However, I'm going to try to get to the core issue Great. in our conversation. Awesome. And w- one thing is, well, I like I've actually been reading quite a bit of Jung recently, and there's so much that I really like, and there's so much that I find interesting. And he's a he's a very good writer, and uh, there's a lot to learn from. The issue. Um, and this is only for kind of nerdy people, is is getting down to the core. Not like, cause it, most good writers have good insights about something, but it's about like, what is their, what is their core understanding? What is their, their kind of presuppositions? And, uh, you the know, baseline, really, like baseline, when you, when you yeah. dig and dig and dig, what's the foundation of what exactly. they're saying? Okay. Like you could probably say in music, like most bands will produce one or two good songs, but that doesn't mean they're a good band. Right. Uh, if they're overall... Unless they're Weezer. Yeah, unless they're Weezer, yeah. I need to get... I, I, uh, you got me into Weezer. I can give you some I can give you some Weezer that you might like. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I've liked what I've listened to so far. So the issue is... Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pure fundamentalist moment right there. <laughs> that was as on-brand as you could get. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you some Weezer socks. <laughs> I have my expertise and you have your yeah. expertise. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, 
the main if anybody wants to do the reading by the way there's a volume seven of jung's collected works there are two essays and they're one of them's called you know the ego and its relation to the unconscious there's two essays and there if you want to get to the core of jung's thinking i think those are two very good essays repeat it one more time for our so volume seven of the collected works of jung okay and one of the main essays uh i think it's called the ego and its relation to the unconscious it's very close to that title anyway and um you know that i think that gives you a really good insight into jung's ideas and understanding. Um, the trick is this, right? Jung's view of the unconscious or of human beings is, and by the way, I'm going to give this a very sympathetic look. I want to convince you that he's right, and we'll see if we can get to where he might be wrong. Yeah, pacing and leading or whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, is that what it's called? I, I like don't know, that. it's like you lead someone along and you kind of agree, 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 and then right when you got them, you kind of... Yeah, you take a, take mm -hmm. a left turn. Um, so Jung has this notion of, like, human beings are like a, a tightrope walker, and we want balance. And the more we uh, get unbalanced, the, the more difficult life is. And this is Jung's idea that you're yeah, talking? Okay. Yeah, so it's Jung, and it, it, you see it in a lot of New Age stuff, you see it in a lot of ways, like yin and yang. There's a, there's a certain there's balance. Yang, there's yang, yang, there's Jung. There's Jung. Yin, yang, and Jung. That could be the title. There yeah. you go. Oh, no, the title has to be... Carl right. Jung is dead wrong. Click on this for sure. You're not going to believe why. No, number six is going to surprise <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> number six, yeah. No list in this at all. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. What was it? Oh, yeah. The unconscious. Oh, yeah. The balancing act. Yes. Yin, yang, darkness, light, masculine, feminine, good, bad. The human beings oscillate between polarities. Okay. Right? So some of the main polarities are, say, feminine, masculine, uh, uh, light, and darkness. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's oh, there's so many of them. I sometimes you, you start to struggle thinking about them all. But we live between these these binary opposites: yeah. white, black, night, day. Yeah, good, bad, and conscious, unconscious, mm -hmm. and uh, and horny, for, sleepy, horny, sleepy. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's one of the main ones for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Jung says like we 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 want to kind of uh, strike a balance in our lives, and the more unbalanced we get. Uh, the more problems we face. So the unconscious for Jung is a compensatory mechanism. So for example, mm -hmm, if mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you repress, what's that? I think I see where this is going. Uh, yeah. I can feel my, yeah. You can feel your brain's working again. Yeah, is that? Yeah. You can hear that, you can hear the cogs start I see where you're turn. going, Roland, oh, I see what's yeah. happening. So yeah, if, if, and here's some examples from Jung actually. Uh, he was working with this guy who thinks his brother's an idiot. But he keeps dreaming of his brother as this great general, as Napoleon, stuff like that. And uh, through the analysis, you begin to discover that basically he has a very one-sided view of his brother. And so the unconscious is then going to the other extreme. Or if you think of a guy who is so closed down emotionally, never shows any emotions, but then once every 10 years absolutely blows up, mm -hmm. right? Up, you know, gets a hatchet and chases someone down the street. This is actually what happened. My, this happened to my family, actually. I don't know if it really happened. I'll need to tell the story, but my dad is the most zen guy you'll ever meet. But one time my brother, who was big heavy metal guy, had some friends around, and I think they broke a pile of things. And my dad literally grabbed a hatchet and chased one of my brother's yeah. friends down the street. Hell yeah. Probably more to scare him. <laughs> but that is... You never know. You never we'll know. never know. You, we'll, we'll never know what was mm -hmm. going on in his head. Um, but it put the fear of God into mm -hmm. the guy he was chasing. Um, but you, that type of person who's so emotionally like flatline, 
but then something happens and they either burst into tears or they a, a, an outburst of emotion or someone who um uh you know well no, yeah i'll stick with that example so there you go that that's kind of like a compensatory mechanism you have so closed down one side of yourself that the other side erupts in an unhealthy way okay right and so for Jung, uh, you listen to your unconscious partly so that you can see the imbalance so that you can have a conversation with the repressed parts of yourself and find a way of balancing say the masculine and the feminine or the darkness and the light uh, in order to live in a in a better mm-hmm. healthier way that's that's one notion i mean there's loads of other stuff in Jung, but that's that's his notion of the unconscious is this compensatory mechanism for people who maybe are they clicked on it and they're not sure what's going on Bio- historically and biographically, yeah. Who was Carl Jung, real quick? Yeah. And then, and when, when was he? Yeah. Um, and and that, like, because I, I feel like there might be people who have no idea who Carl Jung is. Okay. Yeah. Or when he was born, or what he did, or what his deal was. Yeah. Is that worth getting into? Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. The, my only problem is I'm so rubbish at that. So all I can it's say all is all trivia like, facts. Yeah. Was it like Wikipedia article? 1900s. 1900s. Yeah. Early 1900s. He's a contemporary of Freud's. Okay. Uh, so he, he knew Freud. He knew Freud, and they were friends. Uh, and in fact, Freud for a long time, Freud and Jung were incredibly close. And uh, th- uh, but then they had a falling out, and they had a falling out. And basically, for Freud, Jung betrayed the kind of core insights of psychoanalysis and uh, became more of a religious leader, kind of more. Yeah, but like, you can throw away a friendship for that. Oh yeah, I mean they they like, cut ties. Like who cares? I like know. all right, but that's Fre- not a very good friendship. Yeah, but Freud was very worried, like because because he knew that what was happening was incredibly important, potentially world historically important. Mm. So he was um, willing to cut off friendships so as to keep the idea pure. He had a mission. Yeah, he, he had was. a mission. He had a vocation, and um, that makes you an asshole. Yeah. But you can understand. That in a sense he didn't want to dilute. We need those people. Yeah, yeah we need the yeah. people who are just like, eh. If you don't, if you're not on board with this, I know, I get that. I, I've, yeah. But but it's very it's very sad as well. They were you know very very close. Um, Jung was very psychoanalytically oriented at the beginning. The problem is what happened after he separated from Freud. Yeah, which um, we'll get into a, a little. Which bit. Which you get into a little okay. bit. So yeah, so 1900s contemporary of Freud's friend of Freud's. What was there's the dangerous the dangerous mind is a movie that's all about the a beautiful mind a beautiful mind the Russell Crowe movie no what's is that what's the movie about Jung and Freud oh I don't know it's there is there is a movie out there oh really oh yeah it's a oh. good I can't remember what it's called but you yeah, can check know. that out if you want to know more great uh, okay so anyway so he was the 1900s contemporary of Freud and uh, and he believed that the unconscious was a com- a compensatory oh, uh, compensatory mechanism, compensatory yeah. mechanism where basically whatever your actions were whatever your whatever you were ignoring or repressing your unconscious would then sort of uh compensate for in unhealthy ways yeah. usually so it would, could manifest in a dream of your brother being a general or it could manifest in lashing out or chasing somebody down the street with a hatchet is that yeah. kind of yeah pretty much and, okay. and now he had he had like a, a notion of the personal unconscious and the collective unconscious and i don't know if we need to go too far into that but the collective unconscious is interesting in that this is yeah I want, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah oh this is hey, yeah, let's we dive talk in here we this. go this is good um he, and the idea that there is a part of us that is that is uh you could almost call it eternal like we die 
mm-hmm. but there's a part of us that kind of was around before we were born and will be around after we die. And in religion, they call it the soul. And what Jung talks about is he calls it the collective unconscious. And it is kind of like this inherited uh, uh, kind of set of ideas, structures in the mind that are very intimately you, but also transcend you. You know, you share them with the people who lived before you and you, and you share them with the people who will live after you. And that, that collective unconscious is communicated through mythology, through religious mythology, through stories and literature. And the more that a society cuts itself off from its mythology, the more it cuts itself off from this collective unconscious and uh, the more damage can be done. Yeah. yeah. This is why actually someone like Jordan Peterson. I know, I was like, so, I was, his name was in my brain. Was, yeah. You're going you're gonna to get, yeah, we're yeah. beating around the Jordan Peterson bush, but that's, that's what right. he does. Yeah, Because that's what he's very interested, because he's a Jungian and uh, he's very interested in religious mythology mm-hmm. because he feels it connects us with um, the deepest parts of ourselves, really, and the deepest parts of what we all share together as human beings. Um, I know um, in that book, uh, Before You Know It, which is a cl- more clinical psychology and more like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I know isn't, that's a different subject, but like they talked uh, in certain experiments and in certain case studies about there being examples of people who like had, you know, it's that, it's, it, I don't know how anecdotal it is versus like, you know, really straight up scientific, but there's all these stories about people who have uh, ideas and beliefs and preferences that they would have no there there's no root in them beyond being born in a country beyond being like born through a particular lineage like there was this kind of like it's a sort of evolutionary unconscious thing that happens where it's like you do you do inherit uh certain things on an unconscious level just as you would yeah on a conscious level so i don't know if that's yeah and that's connected and it within kind of uh linguistics and within freud that there's the idea that like we don't just speak a language uh a language speaks through us so for example there's a, there's a whole set of words and and ideas that exist before we come into the world we're given a name before we come into the world mm-hmm. and so we don't just speak but language speaks through us we pick up so much from just the way we're taught to speak what books are read to us as children we imbibe so much more and uh, than than we than we mm-hmm. could ever imagine, uh, you know, our brains are already full. Like it's like a shopping cart; it's already full by the time you become an adult. And so you don't start, like you don't turn fifteen and start to think about what do I believe. Your your mind is already full of beliefs and mm-hmm. ideas. And actually, it's like going into a shopping mall and taking stuff out of the shopping cart and putting stuff into it. So you're always starting with a full shopping trolley. What a wonderful yeah. metaphor. Yeah, yeah, that was wonderful. Wow. Yeah. I like that a lot. Thank you. So back to so, Jung. Jung. Um, okay, collective so, unconscious. Collective unconscious. And this is kind of cool because it does explain a lot. You, people can immediately connect with this and go, oh, yeah, when I repress something, if I repress my emotions for five years, <laughs> eventually I'm going to either have a heart attack or I'm going to burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. There's that the, what you re- <laughs> repress returns. That's funny. <laughs> and, and, and of course, if I, if I don't confront something in life, for example, if I, if I really hate my mum, but I can't admit it to myself, uh, I'll probably have a dream where I'm killing her or, mm-hmm. or where she's dying or something. So like my, my unconscious is kind of like saying your, your, your love of your mother has to be balanced with this 
part that you don't like your mum, and mm-hmm. you have to admit that. And if you don't admit it, it's going to come out in horrible ways, mm-hmm. right? So that that kind of is a nice way of thinking about life. It's not unhelpful. I um I I the last time I burst into tears, besides last night and the night before, was yeah. um it was like <laughs> it was like two weeks ago, and I maybe two weeks ago, and I remember. It was an intense environment, but I was also mildly intoxicated. But I remember when it was done being like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I remember being like, I thought I didn't. Like, you, when you think you're not repressed, then that's when it sneaks up on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no. I'm like, I'm an open book. I'll tell you anything. Like, I don't care. Da, 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 da. And then every now and then it's like, Boo. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Got me. But that's why, you know, that's why Jung was uh, 100% right. Right? Yeah. 100% right. Yeah. Well, you know, a good example of this, a lot of people experience this, is if you break up with somebody, you can feel nothing for a while. Actually, you know, numb and it's okay. And, oh, I'm sad that I did it ended. I've been there. Been there. I've been there, but then when you find out the other person hasn't become a nun and joined a covent, the co- uh-huh. uh, whatever, and is actually going out with somebody else, yeah, then it can a knife can two breakups, you. two breakups. So that's happened. No, I just no. know that that's no. I, I think that's oh, yeah, how I think of breakups. it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the first breakup is we are not together anymore, and then that's the easy one, and then the harder one is uh. Oh. is when the other person's moved on yeah and and so in the in the in between you can feel like oh, i'm totally fine everything's good life's going on as as always but it, it's not and you've you've hidden you haven't mourned and so when when you find out the other's moved on it's not just you feel sad it's you are wrecked and truly moved on to not the move on that's like oh this is a rebound this is to get at me this is when, it, when yeah. you're like actually out of the picture you're like oh shit that's yeah. a different Fun. That's a different little uh, roller coaster to be on. I know it's crazy. So you go, okay, this makes a lot of sense. What you repress returns in, mm-hmm. in various ways. But the main reason why Jung isn't a psychoanalyst in his later years is because in psychoanalysis proper, the unconscious isn't a thing. And that's the key. So for Jung, there is masculine and feminine, darkness, light, conscious and unconscious. And these elements we want to balance. And so, for example, uh, again, bringing back Jordan Peterson, just because he famously said, tidy your room. I think yeah. that was one of his pieces of advice, tidy your room. But even Jordan Peterson said, I heard him say once, he said, but but if you're, because that's terrible advice if you're an obsessive. If you ever met an obsessive, the room is so tidy. It's like a, it's like a graveyard. It's I know, like you a, tell me all the time. It's an, like, Elliot, it's too It's clean. too tidy. You're too tidy. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's like an apple aesthetic. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, you can't touch anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit like that in my room. Right? You are. So, so the advice there is mess up your room a little bit. But Jordan, Jordan Peterson, as a Jungian, totally says that. He says, yeah, if you're too tidy, then you have to be able to learn to live with a bit of mess. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like terrible advice whenever someone's got insomnia to go, oh yeah, you just need a room that's quiet enough and dark enough. But no, you have to be able to cope with a little bit of noise and a little bit of light. That's, yeah. the, that's when you know you're cured. So um, why was I saying that? Oh yeah, so that's the balance. Like, oh yeah, but the Freudian insight is the idea that the unconscious actually doesn't exist. The unconscious isn't this other dimension that if you cut open the brain, you know, neurobiologists will eventually find this part of the brain that's called the unconscious, right? But the unions don't really believe that either, right? Like they don't really believe that we're going to find an unconscious somewhere in the brain. Well, the unconscious does seem to be a substantial thing. They treat it as a separate as, as a, object. As, as, a, as a substantive 
domain mm-hmm. like the consciousness consciousness and unconsciousness yeah, now it is true they're not going that no Jungian is going to say you're going to find a compartment in the brain as such but in the same way that you're not going to find a compartment for consciousness mm-hmm. but they're both substantial dimensions yin yang yin yang yeah, that's exactly it yin yang now for freud it's like no, no no the unconscious is more like the uh a distortion in your consciousness yeah it's more like that which means that you can never find balance it's what throws off any possibility of balance i, yeah. I think have we talked about the, in belfast the london dairy example yes oh yes we've we talked did. about we london talked dairy about you you know based on what you say where you're from because yes. of that yeah so there's one city with two names dairy or london dairy yeah. in other words there's only one city but there's two ways. There's this kind of undecidability, this antagonism. How you speak about it determines. Yeah, yeah. and What's that's that? like the unconscious. We talked about that with uh, I think we, some someone something we did on like political correctness, but it was like words that are signifiers. That when they say the word, it makes you it it tells you a lot more about them. Oh yes, the like, shibboleth. Oh uh, yeah, we did a shibboleth. Yeah, yeah. That. Now this is important because these are so in one view in in Jung's analytical psychology you kind of have the notion of the the conscious and the unconscious they're trying to find a balance in order to help you live well Mm -hmm. and in Freud there is consciousness and then that which disturbs it this kind of uh, antagonism within it and those two different understandings lead to two very different ways of understanding the individual and politics and religion and everything Mm -hmm. and it it, it sounds like it's such a small and inconsequential difference but it's kind of not because one within Jung you kind of have the notion that you can find a way to lead a whole balanced complete kind of yes. life completion is possible yes. wholeness is possible yes, yes. whereas salvation with, is possible salvation is possible exactly whereas within freud it's dialectic in a sense of it's going like no there is there is chaos and antagonism built into your life and into reality and salvation is in a sense embracing that antagonism accepting the uh, struggle of existence and enjoying this the struggle of existence that there is no balance there is a perpetual imbalance and that can either destroy you because you want to try and get rid of it with fantasies of wholeness mm-hmm. or you can galvanize it you can mobilize it for the good and that's dialectic because you're not taking the idea of salvation and rebutting it with like no this isn't how you achieve salvation you're saying no your idea of salvation is incorrect and if you go the opposite way the very thing that you're defending using the idea of salvation if you go against that you will actually find something closer to salvation in the embrace of the chaos that's it yeah and the very rejection of it you get it so within say a, a notion of balance and kind of we're we're we're, say the masculine and the feminine Mm -hmm. so if you're a guy you can meet a woman who helps to complete you by bringing in or drawing out the feminine within you and vice versa Mm -hmm. a woman meets a man who brings out the masculine within her and brings this balance this is for me a dangerous fantasy it's okay. a dangerous fantasy because the more we give ourselves into it, the more dissatisfied we are because we can't get it. It's unachievable. It's unachievable. That weirdly, here's a funny thing is there is, ha- let's define happiness for a second as 
the enjoyment of getting what you want. And we've talked about this. You get a nice coffee, you go to the movie you want to get, etc. Most of life is not that. Most mm-hmm. of life is not pleasure. Most of life is the anticipation of pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's the this the fantasy that something is good or something was good in the past. And basically the more you try to get your life in balance where everything is great it's just it will lead inevitably to more anxiety and difficulty and I, that's my argument okay. not my argument but so what do you i guess like what do you say to people who are like no like i'm very happy i feel very complete Speaking of Weezer songs, there's a Weezer song called The Angel and the One, which I think is a very good Weezer song uh, in terms of Weezer songs. And uh, it, it one of the lines is, I am complete. And it's about kind of meditation, I think. It's his, like, after he'd been meditating for, like, however many years. But there are, like, glimpses and flashes and periods, I think, where people do feel this yes. sort of balance and wholeness and goodness and salvation and comfort and whatever and so your argument is just like it's not gonna last basically yeah also i i would say i i would almost want to say something stronger which is that you're lying you're lying yeah <laughs> you're lying to yourself yeah that, like it's funny i think back to when i lived in connecticut Dude, lived, you're you're that's me that's me bursting into tears that's me do it like the two week ago thing yeah where it's like and then it's like oh 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 no! There's a self-deception going on. Yeah, there's like something is yeah. Oh right, yeah. and it's incredible because like so when I I lived in Connecticut. I I loved the people there. I loved it, but I was depressed there. I I'd left Ireland. Uh, I'd left all of the people I knew. I went through a period of of unhappiness. But when I look back on it now, I have a tendency to think, oh, that was amazing, mm-hmm. and some of it was amazing. Romanticized, but it. it's amazing. And basically, the conservative is someone who tends to romanticize something in the past a golden age, whether it's the 1950s or the last person I was married to or when I was a child. So basically, happiness is put onto the past. Uh, leftists usually... Or the, the, the tryst, the romantic tryst. The, yeah, like, that happened. The, right? Yeah. So there's always a, there's a looking back. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the kingdom of God is in the past. And kind of, uh, I, won't, I won't say a leftist. The kingdom actually. of God is in the past. That's yeah. nice. I'll say liberals because they're very different. I'd love to do an episode on the difference between progressives and leftists. Yeah, hey, anyway, if we're, yeah. we'll start with Jung and then we'll see how this goes and yeah. if people can tolerate our, <laughs> our rebellious more, opinions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you start going into leftists versus liberals, we're going to have a heyday. <laughs> that's going to be fun. That's going to be crazy. I did, um, dude, I did a whole video yesterday where I literally defended Donald Trump and it got like 29 dislikes to like, I don't know, like 4,000 likes. It was very, like it was very funny. It's one of and my it was very fi- good. I got to say, recommend it to our listeners. Yeah. It felt like one of those things that I'm going to like show to like yeah. the industry. People be like, this is like, I can do this stuff. So it was and it really was, really was cool. done in one shot, one shot, one take one, one in the first try in the first try. Cause I was like, I mean, I, well, you said it and I believed you, but I was like, it's very, it's very good. Even if it wasn't that. And like, when you consider that, like, Oh my goodness. Oh, first so, and, then, and everyone else agreed. It was beautiful. And the editing, like it was wonderful. But, um, Anyway, it was it was so funny because it was like literally a video on just <laughs> defending Trump, which I do 
fairly regularly, very sarcastically, yeah. but also I still like poke fun at the Democratic Party. But yeah, a leftist versus liberals would be yeah. very fun. Well, but for a progressive, they tend to fantasize the kingdom of God in the future. I there's a future state where everything's going to be wonderful. Ooh, we're getting into so it. Here you've you got go. hell yeah, yeah. You got those two kind of like uh, utopias. Yeah. The utopias in the past, and we have to retrieve it. The t- utopias in the future, we need to go out and grasp it. Wow. So and, one that, is, and that's politics. Yeah, that's yeah. all of American politics. Well, yeah, right? oh yeah, you see that a huge conflict between mm-hmm. an eschatological politics, which is the progressive politics, and a kind of ar- an ar- archaeological politics, which mm-hmm. is di- digging into the past. Conservative. Wow, so fun. Yeah. Um, those are kind of fantasies that actually often can make us unhappy. We're unhappy because the the, the best stuff is in the past, or because it's in the future. The Freudian notion is that there'll always be an ongoing struggle for a utopia that will never exist. However, if you can enjoy the struggle to make the world better and your relationships better and your life better and struggle, but you can enjoy that struggle, you that is salvation. So it's weirdly a rejection of salvation leads to salvation. This is, it is the, the, the embrace of of the chaos in a productive way mm-hmm. is what leads to a healthy life. Do you feel that this is in any way related to uh, living in a, let's say capitalism has flaws. Mm-hmm. And if you bring up any of those flaws, people are like, well, why don't you get the hell out? Yeah. Like, why don't you go somewhere else? If you don't like it here, see how you do over in this country where they have this, 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 and this. Yeah. Is the argument you're saying kind of related to somebody to to the idea of being like, oh, I disagree with a lot of what this is, but I will find my life within this system, much like Jesus. Yeah, well, that's interesting, right? That you say it's like because seven different. Sorry, my fault. I the meant coffee to do machine. It. You didn't. You didn't switch the coffee machine. Yeah, off. sorry, folks. This. Oh, we'll just wait a second. We'll just, <laughs> Here it comes. As I brought up Jesus and capitalism, and oh. uh, and there it Donald is, and it's. Great. Done. Beautiful. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Like You exist within the system that you're in. You exist within the country and the life that you have. And you find as much happiness as you can within this the tensions that you feel. Correct? Yes. To, and that can lead to something new like here's the here's and I, this is almost what i was going to suggest for our conversation today because it connected with dialectics but is the idea that that the way to there's no way to kind of immediately jump into some new type of world mm-hmm. what you kind of have to do is uh your critique of a world arises out so every every epoch generates solutions capitalism has generated so many solutions yeah. i love netflix i love vaccinations well what they do and i love my macbook right and capitalism has has solved problems to do with scarcity yeah uh, but there are issues that have come up in terms of distribution and there are issues that have come up regarding things like climate change and often the solutions that that, that arise for a society create new problems that cannot be uh, addressed within the current paradigm. Yeah. So what you simply need to do is your protest is simply an attempt to address the problems that are created in new paradigm. My main issue with our contemporary world is that there is a certain form of pursuing a lost object, the desire for 
coolness, the desire for balance, the desire for you know a certain amount of money or fame or whatever that will satisfy us, that actually generates a profound unhappiness. And that what we need to do is find the communities that have been excluded from the current system, who have therefore created alternative ways to live that potentially solve that problem. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's, that brings us somewhere else, I think. But but that but that any is the Freudian notion. Any statement that starts with my main problem with the contemporary world, <laughs> I'm all in on. <laughs> Let us know in the comments, folks, what your main problem with the contemporary world is. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll compare nuts. Yeah, it's the form of desire, but I would say. And yeah. that, that's why someone like Todd McGowan, I think is important, is I think he put his, he put his finger on the issue when he said that, that we suffer from a certain form of desire um, that is oppressive to us. And yeah. I think there's an element of it in Jung. But Todd also said that he wouldn't walk across the street and get a million dollars if it was there for him to grab, yes. which um, I would. Yeah, but you know why I think he wouldn't? I think, no, and you know why I think he might be right? We've talked about this I before. Know, so it's, so it's good. I know you're, I set, my cousin you're, about you're it, setting so like, it up for me to yep. knock it down. Thank you. Yep. Um, but is that... When, when you genuinely, first of all, have a life that you enjoy, and secondly, when you really don't think that the contemporary problems can be solved by charity, then, then of course a million dollars can help some individuals if he just took it and gave it away. But in a sense, I think what he's saying is when you've got a certain view that what you really want to do is create a community that is freed from this fantasy of money fixing things you have enough people who are freed from that fantasy that will make real change mm -hmm. and so this is and here's and here and Todd McGowan speaking at my festival actually in April and the reason why I've got him is because I'm trying to create communities as that do I, that Pete. as are you yes are you still coming because I'm worried oh, you're we gotta say figure no. it out no yeah. I'm all in we oh, gotta yeah. figure out the tickets because I've already announced you to the people well, apparently coming. I'm okay, going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right we just haven't uh, arranged your million dollar fee exactly that what yeah. that's what you're saying but but my my desire is to create a counter-cultural communities of resistance to a form of desire that is oppressive to us, right? That's it. And I think one person who feels like that, who won't cross the street for a million dollars, doesn't do much. But you have 10,000 people in a city that wouldn't cross the street for a million dollars. They will be actually be, I think, expressing a form of life that is more healthy yeah. and more that, that, that will pr produce more good for the world. And uh, we need to create those collectives. Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway. So okay. You. Yeah. You. So this is a very. Uh, hopefully, there's. Do you think something's coming out of this? I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Good. I think a lot. Because I feel out. I'm very waffly. I mean, well, we also yeah. took but a it shot of vodka before we. I know. Yeah. Because that worked. That worked in Vegas. So it has to work again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna start doing it for breakfast. I mean, yeah. if it makes all my stuff uh, a little better, but um. <laughs> Okay, so Jung is uh, wrong, and the reason Jung is wrong, the, w the way I previously thought of it was okay. basically you're on, the fundamental difference, if I, before this conversation, was to describe the differences and why one was right and one was wrong, is the idea that Jung has, which is the unconscious, is like here essentially to help you, and it's like guiding you, and it's this like thing that's going to, you know, like be this wonder, kind of the M. Scott Peck idea, like the Road Less Travel, which is my favorite book, 
kind of has that same idea, which is the unconscious is almost, he thinks of the unconscious as basically God. And there's a collective unconscious, which makes sense. And it's very like, we're all, this is the thing that produces a lot of the zeitgeist experiences that we have, where it's just like, what, how did that happen? Or like yeah. the ideas that seem to float in clouds that people have at the exact same time. I don't know the answer to all that stuff. I can't say necessarily that I don't believe in it because it's very fun and I, it's intriguing. But then Freud, what I like about Freud is, and what I find to be more true, is this idea that the unconscious typically is disruptive and typically antagonistic and typically like the desires that the, it, the unconscious has are, are kind of destructive. And most of life is fighting. In my experience, what's helped most is fighting, is assuming that my unconscious desires are not healthy, uh, but they are there to protect me, but then fighting against them, that seems to be a more healthy way to live. But I don't know if that's in any way related. Yeah, no, that, that is true. Like, so Jung would say, and, and in fairness to Jung, who, by the way, I say I enjoy reading, um, he would say that he doesn't think like the unconscious is like there to help or whatever, right? But he's ultimately saying what you're saying, which is that, but the unconscious is this uh, rebalancing so, mm -hmm. it, so in a, in a way, almost it like is. a thermometer, a thermometer. Or like a, a, yeah. Or uh, what do you call those things in planes that keep them afloat? Wings, you know, the, the wings. <laughs> wings, Pete. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what, what, what? It's the. It's like I've got. I actually bought one off Kickstarter. Um, it's a piece of. You pull a piece of string, and this thing revolves. Oh, cool. And the more it goes to one side, it, it never falls over. I wish I could remember the name of it. It's a kaleidos. Kaleidoscope. It's not a kaleidoscope. <laughs> ah, I wish I could remember the name. The thing that keeps planes afloat. Is if this was the if this was Joe Rogan, someone would be looking this up on yeah, the internet. Yeah, we need well. someone just looking this stuff up on the internet. But it's like, yeah, the more you go in one direction, the more it basically counteracts. Yeah. So Jung definitely was critical of Freud for having a view of the unconscious that seemed almost more malevolent and, and yeah. evil, right? Um, and there is some kind of like truth to that in a very small way. Um, and you're right, it's like the, your unconscious uh, isn't necessary. Like, I have a good friend, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this, but he is discovering that he enjoys his own suffering. Yeah. He's realizing that uh, living in a depressed way and not having what he wants and, and uh, you know, having addictions, that somehow he's getting something out of that. And it's not that his unconscious hates him, but that unconsciously he is getting some enjoyment from almost being like a uh, Chris Christopherson character or a Batman figure, you know, that kind of figure. Tortured soul. Tortured soul, mm -hmm. right? And so he is enjoying his suffering, but he doesn't know it, right? He, or he didn't know it. He wasn't conscious of this. He just said, I hate my life. But then he kind of realized that, oh, there's something in me that's actually cultivating this this image yeah i was talking to one of my friends the other night and we were having drinks and i was like he was describing this this and this and it was a relationship thing and he was like you know if she was like this it'd be better and like that would this would be better and i was like i was like yeah but like both of you keep waking up every day and doing this like yeah. not like neither of you yeah. are like changing it so therefore both of you are getting something out yes. of this like terrible terrible dynamic yeah. which is so sad i know and the trick is that, that yes brilliant because the one one of the this doesn't always work but it sometimes works and it's definitely one of the first steps to working is if you can try to work out what you're getting out of your suffering it can actually help you 
free yourself from it. Mm-hmm. So that question you're asking is like, it's like, what are you getting out of this? There's something you're getting out of this. What is it? What are you getting out of yeah. the job that you don't want to be at anymore? Yeah. Or the, you know, yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Other yeah. Things. Like there's people who basically are destroying their lives and they don't realize that it's a protest against their dead parents. They, they want their dead parents who are long since passed, mm-hmm. but to see that they give birth to a failure. But they don't know that. They don't know that. But but you, you, you pick at it enough and you find out that their own self-destruction is a protest against a legitimate protest, mm-hmm. maybe against a, a family member. But realizing that is very, very useful. And it's not that your unconscious is not against you, but that if you don't realize what it's saying. And by the way, in fairness to both Jung and Freud, they're both trying to understand why that happens. Like, they're both trying to understand why human beings are really shit utilitarians. That's ultimately what they're trying to understand. And I just think that Jung, sadly, in his later work, uh, goes against a central, uh, the way of understanding that, and also the way of helping people through that. Yeah, he kind of offers a almost a snake oil a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, So here's a question for you, hypothetical. You are... uh, a psychoanalyst, you are very in the Freudian Well, in camp. theory. In th- in theory theoretically, yes, theoretically yes, not yes, not professionally theoretical. Um, because the profession itself is basically dead, and um, what a weirdo if you go do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it is, who, who has the money or the time? But uh, mm. So you are very pro-psychoanalysis, pro-Freudian, Lacanian, all this stuff. Freud was very pro-Freud to the point that he wouldn't be friends with Carl Jung. Would you, if Carl Jung walked in this apartment, would you hang out with him and be friends with him? Or would you go... I am so in the camp of Freud and Lacan and psychoanalysis, I can't be your friend. Like, are you as much into psychoanalysis yeah, as yeah. Freud is? Well, into no, psychoanalysis? You know what? Here's, a, here's another way of saying it. And like, because what I'm doing is not of any, like it's, it's of course nowhere near as important as that. I don't know, but not for many people. Many <laughs> people would say differently, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, but, but I have a, I have a project that I'm working mm-hmm. on called Paratheology and I, there are people who are involved with that, and some of them kind of get it better than others. And it has been a real thing for me to think about, well, how much do you publicly say this understanding of what I'm doing is wrong and this understanding is right? Yeah, it's an And to what extent struggle. do you just let the, let the cards fall where they may? Mm-hmm. I'm more of the latter. Like I'm going to let the cards fall where they may. I'm not confident enough in my own, own project, but um, I don't know if that's a level of confidence or if it's just a where, wherewithal to be like, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it. I feel like I tune people out very quickly when they go in the defensive antagonistic mode. Like if you switched to like, this is why Jordan Peterson is wrong. This is why this person is wrong. This, but it's like it becomes. It loses its life a little bit. It loses like the yeah. fun part. Like it's not. It's not. Inter- it's not as interesting to me if you define all that stuff and you go after and you constantly like this is wrong. This is right. It's like I don't like yeah. say what you believe and what you are into and what your your ideas yeah. are and that's way more interesting. Yes, and then leave everyone it. else to do their to own do their thing, stuff. Yeah. I I can understand. Here here is Freud's issue. I think with Jung in a nutshell, which is oh, potentially my mom's calling. Oh, is she? Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Um, which is connect, closely connected with what I'm talking about is that. Jung actually has loads of great insights. I know some people here are Jungians. There's a lot of Jungians in America. And he's got a lot of insights. And that was Freud's worry. Freud's worry wasn't that Jung wasn't really smart and really insightful. That That was Freud's worry. 
that he, that yeah. he kind of like muddied the water and that that actually the key insight could get lost and that's my worry is that some people they they definitely understand the broad trajectory of what i'm doing what i'm about but the worry is that it's actually their insight that is damaging well i've yeah it's like i've read um a fair amount of self-help books i still enjoy many self-help books but yeah. When you adopt the Freudian thing, the the non-union mentality, it breaks apart the majority of the mm. the self-help aisle. Like I think it shatters. It. I think it's like kind of makes it like, oh, this is like, like you're not your life isn't going to be solved because you the you've discovered the art of tidying up. Yeah, or yeah. whatever it is. I like mean, I would I there, I still have. There's a couple of self-help books I have in my head, and one of them is basically a book that says you do want self-help. Which, which tries to make the argument that self-help won't work if you do want to be helped yeah. unconsciously. There is actually, there's a really good book I like, that I think is like a type of self-help book called Why Do I Do That? And um, it's, it's actually, because it, it's a very good self-help book because it basically shows how you do want to help mm -hmm. yourself. And, um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I want to write an anti-self-help self-help book at some point. The only reason I think I, I got very into it is because I knew that I'd hit some kind of bottom. Like I'd hit some kind of, not the bottom of like, I wasn't shooting up meth or something like that, uh, or however you smoke meth, you smoke it. But um, I wasn't like stereotypical rock bottom, but on a personal level, I know I hit like a like a like there was no yeah. like I had to do something, but I think that is the only like I think most people don't hit that bottom, and so therefore they like they're like well I could be better, and, yeah. I, and they're also bored. Everyone's yeah. bored, so it's like why not work on yourself? And that which is a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. the The worry is this is this is the worry is that a lot of self help like take me a, a person I'm going like I want to improve my life I want to be mm -hmm. happier what I do is I tend to assume that the way society thinks that looks is the way it is so I think I want to be happier what would what would make me happier well you know maybe a better job maybe making more money maybe this that or the other thing mm -hmm. right and so what I'm actually weirdly doing is I'm trying to I'm trying to graft myself more into the contemporary ideology. And I think sometimes what the, the answer is actually to get yourself out of the current ideology is to realize that the, the very desire to better yourself within the current system is the problem, right? Yeah. That, that actually what we need to do is have uh, kind of these counter communities of resistance that and, and by that, I simply mean communities that detach you from the libidinal desire mm -hmm. to have more and more and better and better, find balance and the other who will complete you and salvation. And somehow find freedom from all of that, the tyranny of happiness. Find freedom from that tyranny of happiness and then you will find joy. Um, I love that. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's also the thing, it's like, I'd love to talk about this at some point. I don't think we have time to in this episode, but there is um, the negative side effects of the lifestyle of the Freudian like mentality, like the uh, when you eat from the the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you are kicked out of the garden. Like you <laughs> yeah. are rejected. You do become unhappy, or you do lose a lot. And mm. it's fun to. It's very like uh, easy, I think, to be like, well, this is ultimately the way to live. Like you exit the society, you exit the pressures, you exit that. But then, like the flip side of it is like that comes at with a price tag, I think, too. That yeah. that isn't that is shouldn't be 
shouldn't be not talked about at some point just because it's like you, if you do that if you like people who truly exit um they're alienated i think by by society they're alienated a lot of times by their family and it's very difficult to function in life and you have to kind of gamble you have to kind of be like okay guess this is the way i know it's, I'm gonna live, live yeah. life it's terrifying it's really tough and you know what i had to do and what you've had to do and many of us weed. is you what's that a lot of weed a lot of weed yeah. <laughs> you you have to find a way and most people it's it you're not in a circumstance where you can do this but you have to find a way where you can exit Mm-hmm. but also live and yeah. live well and live enjoyably and not and that's really hard because it's one it's one thing to exit psychologically but then you still have to pay your rent you still have to put food mm-hmm. on the table you still have all of these things and i do want to help people do that like that's, that's a side issue for me is like once you try to exit is how do you then still practically live yeah because that that is that is a that is a difficult thing um would you say that that's almost like a reeling in of yourself like even if you would if you just go for it if you're like i'm gonna freaking no longer am i going to be attached to these desires and, and you really are like i'm gonna embrace that like do you feel like if you go too far into that in too too far into the chaos you can almost lose yourself and you can lose your your the reality of living in society and needing to pay bills and needing to take care of your family and your kids and like especially because like we we talk about a lot of stuff on here but like and one thing that we both have in common is we do not have kids and so i don't know what it's like to go not that we know of not that i know of (laughs) but but yeah uh, actually ellie you do have three children um but yeah yeah oh god bless them (laughs) wherever they are um but yeah i uh i think that there might be something to like you go so far into this and it might be the right way but even the right way is still not going to be the right no, it's way. No, not the right way. Yeah, I mean, which is so funny. This like, is uh, even what you're, even yeah. the Freudian. If you go too far into it, is not. It's dangerous. Yeah. This is what uh, Lacan has a beautiful term for. It's called the non-duped air, which in oh, French yes, sounds yes. like the name of the father. And basically, what it means is like that. Actually, if for example, like so, police officers are just people, right? If you're pretty psychotic and you just look at a police officer and you don't see a police officer, you just see a normal person just like you. You're not duped but you err because the police officer can still put you in prison. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a child who's suffering from psychosis and therefore they see their teacher, not as a teacher, but just as a person, right? Mm -hmm. They see the truth. They're not duped. The teacher is not a mother. This is me in Vegas. If I'm in Vegas, I have give, I, I, there's no, it's just, uh, I don't buy in any of it. Well, you don't buy into, yeah, the police stuff. Like, you you remember the days, and you've stopped doing this, your therapy's working, but when you used to get, like, parking tickets There's still one out there, man. There's still one out there. And they won't send me a license plate sticker so i have to like in 30 years that's going to bankrupt you whenever valley (laughs) folk makes you 10 million or 20 million but eventually that is just going to be mounting up Mm -hmm. and they're going to take everything from you i'm going i'm getting into whatever ticket is out i know it was like i know it was in sherman oaks years ago and i don't know how to I could find it, but I just don't, uh, yeah, I still don't care about Eventually that. you'll be arrested and put in prison yeah. for life. Yeah, there's going to be a warrant out for me. You <laughs> for parked arrest. for two and a half hours in a two-hour spot in Sherman Oaks <laughs> in 2014, so. Yeah. yeah, it is now 2060, and you are, yep. you owe us $5 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 was funny to watch, because you didn't, you, you were the non-duped. You were like, 
this is nothing. But it's it's nothing that is something because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, they can take your money. Yes, and so, it does inconvenience me and it does yeah. make my life worse. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to have this real interesting balance of seeing through everything. So you libidinally disinvest, you unplug yourself from the system. And yet you have, there's a beautiful verse in the Bible that says you have to be innocent as doves and cunning as snakes. Mm-hmm. And and what the way, I, the philosophical way of interpreting that is innocent as doves means unplugging yourself from the system completely mm-hmm. not libidinally invested but cunning as serpents means you have to basically work the system to be able to live yeah you gotta and, be, and work is the operative word there yeah. i think like you ha- it takes work it takes work and effort to see to see around to see how to do that and what one without the other if you're just fully embedded in the system that's damaging and if you're fully kind of see through it but can't kind of like work with it then you're just not going to be able to pay your rent. Damn, we got ethereal as shit on this episode. Is that right? Yeah. That was some, that, this is like some, I feel like we're in the sky. What we're talking about is like totally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's out there. Um, you know what? At least two people are enjoying this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, two and a half. If two you and a half. Helen in there. She's half enjoying oh, it. Oh yeah, she's half enjoying it. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, this has been beautiful. What is your takeaway? Should oh. I start? I'll start, Pete. Okay. Thank you for asking. I, uh, <laughs> This has been very fun. I have an under a better understanding. I appreciate the non yin yang look of unconscious conscious, and instead the Freudian thing of like I almost imagine it like Venom, like you know the movie Venom. Not yeah. the, well, the character. Let's say character Venom. Let's forget about the movie, but um, like sort of something that's sinewy. It's in there. It's in the cracks. It's in the fissures, so to speak. I like that way of looking yeah. at it. I love the the takeaway of um, even that can go too far, and you still have to exist in the world. I think it's very beautiful, but um. That's all I have to say. Cool. I'm very thank you. And that my takeaway is the very basically the, di- the difference between Jung and Freud is kind of Jung has this notion of balance. So so eventually you can lead a life that is, um, you know, relatively together. Freud's notion of the unconscious is it's there's an element of life that is sticks in your throat like a bone. I think that's a Hegel reference actually. But it's it's um there's always something that destabilizes you. You can't get rid of that inherent destabilization because antagonism is built into the world's called ontology, an ontology of antagonism. But what you can do is you can enjoy that struggle that that bone in the throat you can turn it to some advantage you can find enjoyment out of the struggle of life and you will therefore improve your life maybe even improve society if you're lucky if you find enough people around you who are doing or similar community, things at least yeah what's that or your community or your community neighborhood yeah you can find a, a, a life before death um, in in the very struggle, in the very giving up of balance, you can find a weird balance. In the giving up of peace, you can find peace. In losing your life, you can find it. That's what's so ironic too, dude, about a lot of your stuff because you're sort of identified as this very dark and morose character, but every single thing that you say ultimately leads to just a happiness and a contentment yeah. that's beyond what the other alternatives are, which is very nice. Amen to that. All right, bye everybody. Bye.